I got word uh, from Pastor Steve that they had the baby and uh, everything as well. And the baby's healthy, mommy's healthy, and, um, and they're good. I think there's a girl. You know, I, I always mix things up, so it may not be a girl, but I think it is a girl. Do you understand? It's a healthy baby. Let me put it that way. Healthy baby. My name is Pastor Henry. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and we've been talking about prayer. We started the 40, 40 days of prayer. This is we're beginning week two today. The first week was all about the purpose of prayer. The second week, it will be about praying confidently. How to pray confidently in, in prayer. And so I want to encourage you to continue the journey. Uh, the book has uh, places for sermon notes. So if that's why they turn the lights up. So just in case you need to, to write some notes. And, uh, and I'll encourage you to take some notes because we're going to be talking about something today that not all the time as Christians we like to talk about. When we go to God, we want to be peace-loving people. And we want to sing Kumbaya and Love Me Jesus, Love Me... Ten-. No, that's not a Christian song. That's another song. But, um, but the reality, we, we, we want to be, you know, it's sweet kumbaya and sweet by and by. And, and, and one time, some of the things we did, we fail to realize that sometimes that this Christian life, it's about a fight. It's about a fight. And it's about learning and knowing how to fight in prayer. And you and I need to learn that. Because somewhere down in this journey that we're going in, there will be many times and you'll have many opportunities that God will put you in a fight. You say, God will put me in a fight? Yes. The Bible says Jesus Christ was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so sometimes God will lead us into a fight because it's good for us. Because when we know how to fight and we learn how to fight and we learn how to win and we realize that all our strength and everything comes from God, Christian life becomes really enjoyable. Because not only do we go through good times, we go through tough times. And we know how to handle both. So what I want to talk about this this morning or this afternoon is uh, fighting in prayer. You and I need to learn how to fight. So how do we learn how to fight? I'm going to give you the three points that we're going to be making this, uh, this afternoon and then we'll develop it, right? The three points we're going to make this afternoon is this. If we want to know how to fight, we have to first of all know your enemy. So if you're making notes, point number one. If you're going to learn how to fight, know your enemy. Some of us were fighting the wrong people. But you're going to have to know your enemy. If you're going to learn how to fight, point number two, you need to know your authority. Know your authority. If you're going to learn how to fight, one, you need to know. What's the first thing I said? I just want to make sure you're still here. Know your enemy. Know your authority. And the last point we're going to make, point number three, is that if you're going to learn how to fight in the kingdom of God, you have to know your weapons. Know your weapons. And not just know them, know how to use them. Know how to use them. So we start to unpackage this thing, uh, and when we're talking about knowing your enemy, John chapter 8, verse 44, you don't have to turn it, just drop uh, drop the scripture down, you can look at it when you go home. All right? And by the way, when you come to church, jot everything down so that you go home. You need to find out if the preacher is preaching from the word or he's just preaching nonsense. You're not supposed to agree with everything the preacher says from the pulpit until you have investigated yourself. Otherwise, you can, be call, uh, you can easily fall into a trap and go into a cult and, 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 and end up on some mountain hugging a tree. But the Berean church, anytime Paul preached, the Bible says the Berean church studied what he preached and when they found out it was true, then they believed it. You need to do the same thing. Do you understand me? So 
write down this now. So the scripture I want you to write down, we're talking about knowing your enemy. John chapter 8 verse 44, Jesus says of the enemy, he is a murderer and a liar. Pastor, the devil told me to do this. So what? Don't listen to it. Why? He's a liar. He's a murderer and he's a liar. The Bible says he, he is the father of lies. Nothing that comes out of his mouth can be believed. Not only is he, is he a murderer and a liar, John 10.10, 10, the gospel of John chapter 10.10, 10, verse 10, they say he's a thief. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Lift your head up, look at me. He comes to steal your joy, steal your peace, steal your rest. He comes to kill your vision, kill your dreams. And then he, if he can, he wants to destroy you, send your soul to hell. That's your enemy. That's your enemy. And your enemy does not play fair. He's a murderer. He's a liar. He's a thief. And, and, and all along, the, our enemy is setting traps for us. To engulf us. To entrap us. To get us to a place that we, we can, he can take away our joy and things. And take away our peace. Because he sets traps. And a lot of times as Christians, we fall into those traps. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. You can turn here. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And, and, and let's pick it up in verse 24. Talking about those traps. Talking about those snares that we have to be conscious of. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 24. Paul writes. He's, taught, he's training Timothy. He said, Timothy, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach and patient. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, verse 26, and that they may come to their senses and escape the sneer of the enemy or the devil. Having been taken captive by him, to do his will. As Christians, we cannot be possessed by a devil, but we can be used by a devil. Because the devil said, the Bible says, don't get into foolish arguments. The problem is we always want to be right. We always want to have the last say. I'll give her a piece of my mind. No, keep your mind. But we get into all kinds of foolish arguments and, 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 and the Bible says he's setting a trap. And for some people he's entrapped them and now he's using them for his purposes. So you're not full of the devil, you're just used by the devil. Because you don't know your real enemy. And so we get to this place where we got to be able to understand our enemy. And when we start to understand, you'll start to realize your enemy is spiritual. He is a spirit being, the same way God is a spirit. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, and that's where we're going to spend most of our time. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, if you've got one of those smartphones or your tablet, change the version to the Amplified, A-M-P-C. The Amplifier. I love the Amplifier because the Amplifier brings it out and rips it open so that anybody can understand it. The Amplifier. So when we understand that the, our enemy is a spirit, you understand that the person sitting next to you is not your enemy. Turn to the person sitting next to you and look at them and say, look, you are not my enemy. See, some of you are saying a little stronger this afternoon because... Any issues before you came here? Come to counseling later. Do you understand? The person sitting next to you or the people in your lives, your enemy is not flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse 12. For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, 
contending only with physical opponents. But, but against the despondence, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual, uh, spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural reign. The sphere. Your enemy is supernatural. Your enemy is a spirit being. That's why you can't yell, scream, curse, cry and, sh- and do any of those physical emotions, that does not push back the kingdom of darkness in your life. The only thing that pushes back the kingdom of darkness is the word of God coming out of your mouth with authority. And so as we know our enemy and we start to understand, and once we start to understand our enemy, then we start to understand the authority that God has given us to deal with our enemy. To deal with our enemy. So if you're going to learn how to fight in prayer, we learn how to know who's your enemy. And then when we realize what God has given us, we understand that we have to start to understand the authority God has given you. You say, Pastor, God has given me authority? Yes. You say, Pastor, I'm supposed to fight the devil? Yes. You say, Pastor, that you, are you trying to say that every battle that I get into, God is not going to always show up and fight on my behalf? Yes. Do you mean I got to learn the word? Yes, you lazy bum. You have got to learn it. Why? Because God has given us his authority. And sometimes we wonder, why is God not showing up? Because God is saying, I gave you the authority. Open your mouth. That's why one of the disciples, when Jesus was leaving, he turned to the disciples in Matthew 18. He says, all authority has been given to me. Go. Go in that authority. Go in that power. Go in that strength. In Luke, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he says, All authority has been given to you to walk upon scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. The authority. It's in Romans chapter 8. The Bible says, And the Spirit of God. You know, he says, And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dead hallelujah the same spirit not a different one the same follow me one minute when I think about it it blows my mind what God has put in us think about the power think about what was needed to raise Jesus from the dead think about the majesty and the strength and the anointing And the power, the Bible says, and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's why there's no time for this mamby, pamby, Jesus help me. No, get up. The same spirit, the same spirit The same spirit. Put your hand in your stomach like this. Come on, hand to stomach. You know, this stomach. Put your hand here. I want you to repeat after me. Father, I thank you that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave lives in me dwells in me, abides in me. The same spirit. That's when you start to understand your authority. That's when you start to pray with confidence and walk with confidence. When you start to realize that God has not left you alone and that if you are a Christian, the same spirit 
First John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in us. Greater is he that, that means no matter what the enemy throws at you, no matter what power comes against you, there is no power greater than the power that is within you. Oh, that changes everything. That changes the way you walk and the way you talk and the way you carry yourself and the way you sing and the way you walk and the way you do all the stuff. Because why? When I understand that the Spirit of God lives in me and has been described as the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him on the right hand of the Father, You become unstoppable because of the authority and the reason why God gives us this authority because over and over in the Bible, he tells us, resist the enemy, resist him. John, write, write these two scriptures down, uh, James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 7. And this is what it says. You don't have to turn it. I'll read it. You check it when you go home. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice the order. You can't turn the order around. You must do it the way God tells you. You, you and I on our own cannot attack or engage the enemy unless we first submit to God. How do I submit to God? I submit to his word. I speak his word. I declare his word. Submit to God. Resist the enemy. And he will flee from you. What's the opposite to that verse? If you don't resist the enemy, he will stay in your house. And when you say, Pastor, the enemy's troubling me and he's going through all this stuff in my house. Can you come to my house and pray the devil out? I will say, no. Do it yourself. Because you've got to learn how to fight this battle yourself. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. If you say, Pastor, I can't pray for you. I can't pray for you. But you call me the second time, I'll say, No. He says, resist the devil. Who's going to do it? You and I. Why, has, why is God saying you and I? Because he's given us the authority. Next scripture, write this down as well. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Notice what it says there. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. It says, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Lift your head up. Notice he's not looking for everybody. Your enemy is not looking for everybody. So your enemy comes up to Charlene's house and said, Ooh, no, I can't go in there. She prays too much. Comes over here and goes up to Michael's house. No, whoa, 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 I can't go in there. He knows his authority in Christ. Goes over here to, and says, no, oh, Peter, no, I can't go in Peter's house. No, why? He knows his authority. Then he walks up to Shakunda's house. And all Shakunda is doing is her nails and her hair and all this nonsense. I can walk right into, anyone call Shakunda in here? Before I think, yeah, before I offend her. But walks into Shakunda's house and, and she doesn't even know how to pray. He says, I can settle here. He's not looking for everybody. Notice what it says in, in, in verse 8, uh, verse 9. Resist him steadfast in the faith. You and I have got to resist the enemy. When he bombards you in your mind, when he bombards you in your thought life, when he tries to pull you down and make you discouraged, all authority. Uh, in Ephesians, uh, look at Ephesians chapter 10, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse 10. 
I love this. I love this Amplified. Notice, notice what it says there in verse 10. It says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Listen, listen, look at me. That means every time you and God are in partnership, you and God are in union. He says, be empowered by the Spirit. Be empowered by the Spirit. Notice what it says there in verse 10. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him. You say, I'm weary? Draw your strength. You say, I'm tired? Draw your strength. How do I draw my strength? Lord, I praise you. I adore you. I worship you. I lay it all down. You are king. You are glory. You are majesty. He says there, he says there, draw your strength to him, that strength which his boundless might provides. There is enough strength provided for you and for me to take care of the enemy in our lives. Look, let's continue. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. He's talking about this authority. Put on God's whole armor. I'm reading from the Amplified. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy, heavy armed soldier which God supplies. Lift your head on a minute. Why does God supply the armor? So that you and I can go to war. Pastor, I'm going through a difficult time. Put on the armor. Pastor, I need help. Put on the armor. Pastor, you don't understand. Put on the armor. Put on the armor. Notice what it says in verse 11. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavily armed soldier, which God supplies, that you may be able successfully. Oh, what is he saying there? He's saying that every battle you and I go into, we should be successful. Every battle we get into, the Bible says we should be successful. Look, look what it says there. That you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and deceits of the enemy. Look at verse 13. Therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all the circumstances or the crisis demands, stand firmly in your place. Man, lift your head on a minute. It's almost like you get to a place that you get fed up and tired and you say... Devil, no more. You can't have my husband. You can't have my wife. You can't have our kids. You can't have this. You can't have that. You can't have my dreams. You can't have my visions. You can't have my provision. You can't have this and you can't have that because you stand your ground. But pastor, can you come and do it for me? No. You stand your ground. Why? Because he's given you the authority. Look at verse 14. He goes on to say, Stand therefore, hold your ground, having tightened. We'll get to that in a minute. Stand therefore, Hold your ground. There is no running from this kind of Christian. This is not a sissify, mimi, mamby. No. Cut it out. This is a Christian whose back is strong, whose faith is in God, who understands her authority, who can stand up and say, in the name of Jesus. Stand to your feet.
Stand to your feet. Put your Bible on the ground. Put your, on, your, on your chair. Put everything down. Free your hands up. Stand to your feet. Yes, sit, stand. This is standing. Sometimes the enemy comes against you and tries to discourage you. And you can't roll over and play dead. The Bible says stand. Sometimes you have to encourage them and say, I, I, I say, Henry, get up, you wolves. Stand your ground. Sometimes I get a little tribal African on it. Take your hand and open like this. Both hands. Follow me. That's some of your problem. You don't know how to follow. Follow me. Hands up. Go. Go. Now this time when you slap your hand, I want you to say stand. Ready? Go. Stand. Go. Stand. Go. Stand. Louder. Go. Stand. Go. Stand. 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 Now, do you sense that? Do you sense that? Do you, do you, do you understand that the spirit of in the, on the inside of you bears witness that you have authority? Authority to do what? Stand. Stand. So when the enemy comes, it says, enough. It's enough. But you have to resist him. You have to resist him. And the power of heaven will come around you. And so as we learn how to fight, we learn how to know our enemy. We know uh, our authority in Christ. And then finally, we know our weapons. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 to 18. I want you to write that down. But I, and we're not going to read all through it. No, but, but I'll give you the weapons. There are seven weapons out of that text there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 to 18a. And, and I just want you to jot them down. But here are your weapons. But here, let me say this. No, it makes no use of knowing your weapons if you don't use them. If all you want to do is be religious, then this is a waste of time. You should go home. But if you're tired and tired of what the enemy is doing in our lives, then here are our weapons and let's learn how to use them. So that we can be successful in every battle we go into. Weapon number one. Paul says the first weapon is truth. Truth. You and I have to be people of truth. Speak the truth. Live the truth. Make our decisions based on truth. What truth? The Bible says thy word is truth. And Paul says, use truth like a belt. My mother used to use the belts of truth. She would say, Henry, come in. I will slam that devil out of you. Get out of him in the name of Jesus. Get out of him in the name of the Father. Get out of him in the name of the Son. Get out of him in the name of the Spirit of God. Get out of him. Some people in this, well, well, let's leave it alone. I believe some people just needed a good whipping. In, no, leave it, leave it, leave it. Let's go on. Spirit of truth. Spirit of truth. Uh, 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 do you live by the word? Do you ask questions? What does the Bible say about this situation? It is absolutely ridiculous when people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't like the Bible. 
But Paul says your first belt when you're going into a battle that you need is, is truth. That belt holds your pants up. That's another topic. We'll leave that alone. Holds your pants up, up, up. Why? That means everything around you is based on that truth. It produces confidence. And then he, and then he goes to another, another weapon. He says, he says, righteousness. Weapon number two is righteousness. What is that? Righteousness. He says, use righteousness like a breastplate. Protecting your vital organs. Use righteousness like a breastplate. Understand that you are the righteousness of God. Understand if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has placed you in rightness. Because if you don't understand that you are righteous and you can come into the presence of God, the Bible says come boldly into the presence. You won't go boldly into the presence of God if you don't realize that God has forgiven you and given you the righteousness of his son. That is what allows us to come into the presence of a holy God with confidence. The breastplate of righteousness. And every time we sin, we go back to God and say, God, forgive me. First John 1, 9, if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Christians should not be walking in condemnation for weeks. No, you don't know your God. You don't know your scripture. You don't know the word. The moment you sin, go back to God. God, forgive me. He restores you to righteousness. He says, put the breastplate of righteousness on. Then he gives us another weapon. He says, the, uh, he gives us peace. A weapon, peace, peace. He says, use peace like a foundation. How peaceful is your life? Do you always have to have the last word? Do you get angry when people make you look like you're an idiot? And do you have to prove yourself to the idiots? Or are you confident enough that you don't let the enemy set a trap to steal your peace? He says, use the weapon at a peace as a foundation to launch from. And then he comes along in, verse, uh, in, in the fourth weapon and he says, use faith. The Bible says, without faith, we cannot please God. Everything you and I will receive in the kingdom of God, it will be received by faith. He says, use faith and use faith like a shield. It's protecting you. Why? Because your enemy is throwing darts at you all the time in the, in, in the form of thoughts and suggestions and gossip. And all kinds of thoughts to tear you down, to make you think you are less than, to make you think you're not worthy, to make you think that every time God sees you, he throws up, he's, he's fed up with you. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. But holding up the shield of faith. He said, use faith as a shield. And then he goes on and he says, use salvation. I like this one. Salvation. That's number five. Use salvation as a helmet to cover your mind. What, what does that mean? Do you know that you know that you know that you know, Christian, that you are saved and on your way to heaven? In other words, Paul said, is there an assurance on the inside of you where you are confident that I have believed in my heart, confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and now I'm saved and on the way. He says, use salvation and your knowledge of salvation as a helmet. So when the enemy says you're not saved because of what you did last night, you can be able to say, ah, yes, I may have been a devil last night, but I'm still saved. And then... He gives us one more weapon, oh, two more, but one, one particular one. The sixth one, he says, the word. Use the word like a sword. Listen to me carefully. 
A Christian that doesn't know his word is a Christian that is just waiting to be taken out. Everything about our lives is based on the word. Pastor, how do I know I'm going to heaven? Because the Bible says so. Pastor, how do I know there's a word? Because the Bible says so. Pastor, how do I know there's angels? Because the Bible says so. Pastor, how do I know there's a hell? Because the Bible says so. Pastor, how do I know there's a home in glory for me? Because the Bible says so. Everything that you and I hang our eternal destiny on is based on the word. Being able to pray with confidence is because we know what the word says about our situations and we're able to pray the word with confidence. The word. You shall know the word and the word will set you free. In other words, you should know the truth. What is truth? Thy word is truth. You should know the truth and the truth that you practice will set you free. Some people have the head knowledge that know the word, but that word has not done anything for you. And then if you look, drop your eyes down to Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 18. He gives us the last, the last weapon. And the last weapon is prayer. It's prayer. And he says there in Ephesians chapter 18, uh, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, I'm reading out of the Amplify. He says, pray at all times. Pray at all times. Lift your head on a minute. Pray at all times. You know what that says? You can't be lazy. You can't shift the responsibility of prayer onto someone else. That's why whole churches have died. Because in those churches, they depend on the man or the woman of God to do all their fasting, all their praying, all their this, all their that, and all that, that, and they come and sit in the pew and be spectators. Not in this church. There will be times we will be able to be there for you, but there will be times we will not be there for you. Why? Because we can't. And sometimes God will deliberately set it up that you will pick up the phone and you'll call your sister, you'll call your brother, or you'll call a friend, and there will be a busy tone. Or even worse, they will pick up and say, sis, I can't talk to you right now. What do you mean you can't talk to me? You know, when you were going through that, I was there for you. And God did it deliberately. So what? So that you would turn your attention off people and turn it to God. Do you understand? Clap all you want, but the time is coming. So you better be clapping in agreement because you're ready. Because it will happen to you, some, some of you this week. You'll pick up the phone and call and nobody will be busy. You'll, pick, you'll call the church office and, and, and can I please speak to Pastor Henry? And, and they'll say, Pastor Henry is busy. What do you mean busy? What does he do all day? <laughs> and Pastor, can you come and do this? Can you come? I, I, the devil is working tremendously in my house. And I'll say, no, he's not because you're not that important. What's going on? Well, the devil's attacking this and attacking this. And I'll say, what have you been doing? Well, Pastor, I've been doing nothing. I've been waiting for you. And I'll turn around and say, keep waiting. Because you've got to learn this thing so that when you're by yourself, and listen to me carefully, 90% of your spiritual battles will be by yourself. In the midnight hour when you're laying on your bed and the enemy starts to bombard your thought life. Talking about how you missed this opportunity, how you missed this, and how you missed this, and how you messed up this and messed up, and you have to know how to fight in those moments to be able to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I refuse this thought. Why? Because you forgave me. He 
says in verse 18, pray at all times on every occasion, in every season, in the spirit, with all manner of prayers. That means there are different kinds of prayers for different kinds of situations. Some of us, the only prayer we know is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, the person's sick, our Father who art in heaven, the person's filled with devil, our Father who art in heaven, the person lost the job, our Father who art in heaven, the person is sick, our Father in Our Father who art in heaven was not a prayer for us to repeat. It was to teach us. The disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, when you pray, start by saying, our Father. What was he saying? Recognize the the person you're talking to is your heavenly Father. And he says, where is your heavenly Father? Our Father who art in heaven. And when you go into the presence of God, hallowed be your name. The first thing you do when you go into the presence of God is not to ask him for something. It's to magnify his name. Some of us, we don't get answers to prayer because the first thing we do, we're walking, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And God said, good morning. So the Lord's Prayer, there are different kinds. Sometimes it's the prayer of worship. Lord, I praise you. I adore you. I magnify you. Sometimes it's the prayer of petition. Lord, I need this. I need you to come into my life and I need you to change this. Sometimes the prayer of thanksgiving. Father, I thank you that you are worthy of our prayers. I thank you that you are glorious. Uh, sometimes the prayer of intercession. Lord, I lift up Shakunda to you right now. Change her, divide her. Uh, not divide her, change her. <laughs> different kinds of prayers for different kinds of situations. But he says, with the weapons that you have and all the stuff that you have, you have authority. One of the great examples of of, of this happened in Luke chapter 4. And write this down, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 14. Check it out when you go home. Luke chapter 4. We know the story that Jesus is, is, has been fasting and praying for, for 40 days. And, and, and this passage, guys, he's, Jesus is teaching us how to fight in prayer. He's teaching us spiritual warfare. And if you pay attention to the package, uh, patch, uh, passage, he's teaching you that when the enemy comes against you, what you need to do. So Jesus is coming out of the fasting and praying and, he's, and the Bible says his body is physically weak and tired but his spirit is strong. That's what fasting can do. You would think when someone's fasted and prayed for weeks that physically they're weak just because you're weak physically but your spirit man is strong, sensitive, can identify any kinds of attack. Jesus comes and the Bible says, as I said before, the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Why, why is that biblical? Because the Bible says in James, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces the character of God. That's why God can lead us into battle. And so now, let me throw you into this situation. I want to see how you handle that. Let me throw you in this situation. I want to see how you handle that. Let me throw you into this situation. I want to see how you handle that. Are you maturing? Are you growing? Are you becoming more like me? And the only way we can know that is when we're in a trial. So the Spirit of God leads Jesus to the wilderness and the devil comes up to Jesus and says, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus comes back with a classic and said, no, it is written... Man should not live by bread alone. Do you know the scripture Jesus was quoting? This wasn't scripture. He was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. The enemy attacked him. He resisted the enemy and said, no, it is written. Man should not live by bread alone. If we're talking in the 21st century, when the enemy attacks us, we should be able to say, no, in the name of Jesus, I refuse that thought. Why? Because the Bible says, 
Jesus is taken to a, a, a temple and, and taken to the top of the temple. And he says, all the authority and wealth in this place will be yours. If you will just bow down and worship me. Jesus turns around and says, it is written, uh, do not worship. You can only worship the Lord your God. Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 13 and Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 30. What was he doing? Using the word as a shield to push the power of darkness back. Finally, he gets to the last time and, 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 and the devil says to Jesus, uh, um, Uh, the devil tries to tempt Jesus. And this is, the, this is the funny thing about it. Because the devil almost, all of a sudden quotes the scripture. You say the devil knows the scripture? Yes. So you need to know more than one scripture. If the enemy attacks you in one scripture and you come against him and he comes back with another scripture, you can't, he can't say, oh, I only knew one. The devil comes to Jesus and says, uh, 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 throw yourself down from this temple. And he, then he quotes Psalm 91. And, and God will send his angels. So nothing, he, he was quoting Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12. Jesus comes back and says, you should not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. If Jesus Christ used the word to fight in prayer, you and I, can only win when we use the word of God against the thoughts and the attacks of the enemy. The enemy attacks you in, in, in an area of fear and tries to put fear on you. You need to be able to say, Father, I refuse that in the name of Jesus. Why? Because the Bible says, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You don't just sit there and let fear dominate you. Maybe anxiety comes up on you. Put on your armor and say, Father, I resist this anxiety in the name of Jesus. Why? Because the Bible says, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. But by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Well, Pastor, that's a lot of scripture to remember. Yes, lazy. But how bad do you want to be free? How bad do you want to walk in the authority and power of God? How bad, instead of getting jealous of other people who you admire, no, that what they have is for you too. There are no super Christians in the, in the body of Christ. It's just people who understand their authority, understand their enemy, understand their weapons that will take that work, weapon knowing that they're walking in the Spirit of God and use it. The Bible says, worship team, you can start making your way back. The Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you can write it down. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're not fleshy. But they're mighty in God. They only operate when you operate out of the Spirit. When you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, that's when they only operate. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. The Bible goes on to say we take captive of the thoughts and the intents. In fact, let's turn there. This is the last service. We have time. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Starting from verse 3. If you don't have an amplifier, let me read it from the amplifier. I get excited about the amplifier. Listen, listen what it says here. For though we walk, live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to flesh and using mere human weapons. Oh, you, everyone needs to get an amplifier Bible. And if you have it on your phone, AMPC, the classic. Try, once you read a verse, go to the Amplifying and read it again. 
But listen to what it says. For though we walk, live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical. Weapons of flesh and blood. But they are mighty before God for the overthrowing and destructions of strongholds. And then he goes on to say, verse 5, Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and very and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the truth or against the true knowledge of God, we lead every thought and purpose away captive to the obedience of Christ. That scripture is saying just because you a thought drops into your mind doesn't mean you just sit there and let it wandle around until it brings you down to a place of depression. A thought comes into your mind that says you are good for nothing. You need to say, Father, I refuse that thought in the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says in Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I was knitted together in my mother's womb. And when God was finished and let me out, he looked at it and said, it's marvelous. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. It is my workmanship, my masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. Not just one little worm. And when the Bible says, well, when the devil comes to you and says, well, I'm going to mess up your future. You need to say, Father, I refuse that in the name of Jesus. Why? Because the Bible says, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Plans to prosper you. And that word prosper doesn't mean money only. Before you get carried away. That means Prosper you in your health. Prosper you in your mind. Give you soundness of mind and all that craziness you have. All because we've learned to fight. Because we understand our enemy now. We understand the authority that God has given us. And with that authority has come weapons that we can be able to stand our ground and say to the enemy, enough is enough. Why don't you stand to your feet? I tell you, Christian, Christianity is fun. When you start to put it together and start to walk in the purposes of God and you start to see how God moves, this, this journey becomes fun. Is it easy? No. That's why everybody's not in it. It takes men and women. Men that are, have backbones. Women that are full of authority. Men are willing to stand up and say, as for me and my house. Women that are like Hannah that will cry out at the temple and give God no rest until she had a son. And then she turned around and said, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. But men and women that can come into the presence of God with confidence. 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 Why? Because the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Dwells in you abides in you, walks with you, talks with you. An anointing upon you to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish before you leave this earth. 
full of destiny, full of purpose, full of meaning. All because you dare to believe that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I dare you to get arrogant in the things of God. I dare you to believe that God can do greater things in you. I dare you to believe that God can turn that marriage around. I dare you to believe that God can mold you into the man or the woman that he needs you to be. I dare you to believe. And I dare you to trust that spirit that lives in you. But we sang a song, the second song. What's the words of that song again? Have your way. Have your way. Did you really mean it when you sang it? Some of these songs I just don't like. Sometimes I, don't, I stop singing because I'm not ready to say it. I give myself away. No, I'm not ready to do that. I surrender. No, I'm not ready to sing that. I need you. No, I don't need you, God. Stay over there. Let me do my own thing first. And when I get in trouble, then come, I need you. But when you sing those songs, do you really mean it? Because here, here, here's what I've learned about our Heavenly Father. He loves us so much that when you see it, when you sing it, he will use any excuse to come into your life. So when you say, what's the title song again? Have your way. When you say, have your way, God will say, oh yes, here I come. When you say, I surrender all, God says, oh, 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 here I come. So when you say, God, have your way, God is saying, here I come. Ready or not? How do we prepare our hearts like this? It's, 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 it's around the altars. And nothing dramatic, nothing spooky. It's just coming around the altars and saying, God, here I am again. Here I am again and I, I, I want everything on you and everything. He, they sang a part of that song and said, if it's not of you, Lord, take it out. I didn't sing that part. Because there's still, there's still some parts of me I want to keep. But he says, if there's anything in me that does, take it out, Lord. So here, this is how we're going to close this afternoon. I want you to move out of your seats and come up front here. Just start making your way forward. And, and, and we're not, not going to be long. We're not going to be long because I know we've got to go eat. I'm hungry. I'm African. We've got to go eat. We've got to go eat. But come on down for a few minutes. For a few minutes. Don't kneel down. Stand up. Stand up because people are coming behind you. So move, come all the way down. Come all the way down because people are right behind you. Come all the way down. Come all the way down into the aisles. Yeah, yeah. Come all the way down. Come all the way down. Come all the way down. And, and this is what we're going to do this afternoon. And then I'll let you go home. No, no spooky. No, no nothing, nothing. No, no. Just, just standing here and say, God, I've heard the message. To whom much is given, much is required. Now I know I have no excuse because Pastor Henry just told me that I, I need to know my enemy. And now I know my enemy. It's not my husband. And, and, and he's also taught me this, after, this morning or this afternoon that I, I need to know my authority. He showed me the scripture and everything, so I need to walk in that authority now. And then on top of that, Lord, he's taught me how to use the weapons that you've given me. And, and, and the Bible says every time I walk in the authority of that word, and every time I realize and remember that the spirit that raised Jesus from the grave lives in me, I can win the battles that I'm going into. And so, Lord, I come this morning or this afternoon just to dedicate myself again just to prepare me for the next battle that's coming. So that when it comes, I will take everything that was taught today and I will use it. But before I leave here and, and, I, and I get involved in food and all the other stuff, can you cement this word to my heart so that when I need it during the week or two weeks from now, that Lord, you will bring back to my remembrance this word so that I can be able to stand my ground.
And so they're going to sing that song and they're just going to go through one or two times and then we'll come back, we'll pray and sing, yo. Isn't that easy? Dallas, come on guys. Look at the words on the screen. That's worship. 